0: My name is Josephine Larré and I'm coming to you as part of the Writers Guild of Alberta online reading series and this evening we're here with Joellen Morecambe who has recently published a collection of haiku entitled Big Blue Sky Haiku and Reflections and I would like to start with an acknowledgement of the land which I'll be reading from my screen here it is. We acknowledge that together we live, work, and play on th- the traditional territories of the peoples of Treaty 7 region, which includes the Blackfoot First Nation tribes of Siksika, Kainai, and Pikani, the Tsuut'ina, the Iarhe Nakoda First Nation tribes of Bearspaw, Chiniki, and Wesley, and the Region 3 Métis Nation, of Alberta. And so we're coming to you from Mokinsis, which is the name for for this area and this city. Uh, Joanne, I'll be reading your bio as an introduction. Joanne Morecambe is a Calgary poet, indie publisher, book reviewer, workshop presenter, and author of five poetry collections, including her most recent collection, Big Blue Sky Haiku, and Reflections, which consists of 20 of her haiku paired with reflections and writing tips. In 2020, she was a judge in a haiku contest sponsored by Heat House in Calgary, along with myself, Josephine Murray and Sean Hunter. She is a founding member of the Writers Guild of Alberta, Haiku Canada, Tanka Canada, and was one of the founding members of the Calgary magpie haiku and tanka poets along with Bruce Ross and Devar and Leslie Dahl back in 2001. Joanne is also a social worker and a certified laughter leader and joyologist with the World Laughter Tour. She's a firm believer that laughter is the best medicine followed closely by creative pursuits such as poetry.
1: Thanks Josephine. And I'd also like to thank Sadie McGilvery, Dorothy Bentley and the, and the uh, WGA for giving me the opportunity to participate in this wonderful online reading series.
0: Um, so the format is going to be a uh, question and, and, and answer. I'm gonna ask Joanne a series of questions that we've shared in advance. And for some of her answers, she will be reading from the haiku in her booklet or with the reflections? So the first one is, which, what draw you first to Japanese form?
1: Well, I, I don't remember studying haiku in school, but I do remember reading a uh, classic Japanese haiku translated into English and admiring them for their conciseness and their ability to create unforgettable word pictures.
0: Thank you. And uh, the next question you've actually already answered. What it is about a haiku that you like? So you just spoke about being concise and evocative. Who were yeah. your yes? Who were your first teachers with haiku? Um, and where do you draw your? What haikuists have inspired you in your own crafts?
1: Yes. Uh, well, of course, the the traditional Japanese haiku masters Basho, Busan Issa, and Shiki. Um, I'll read Basho's famous frog, pound, frog pond haiku shortly. Uh, here's one of the haiku uh, and it's written in, uh, in English in 17 syllables over three lines. What a pleasure wading the summer stream, sandals in hand. And here's one by Issa. The frog looks at me with a sour face. And here's one of Shiki's, The Temple Buddha, in the distance, the June Sea. Yes. By the way, those haiku are take, taken from the book, The River of Heaven, edited by Robert Aitken, and I assume he was the translator. I like Thank to you. give credit to, to the translator, of course.
0: Yes. Nice. Um, For those who are listening who are not very familiar yet with haiku, haiku is in itself a type of uh, enigma or there's a juxtaposition often the brevity of it because it is contained in 17 syllables or less and the complexity. Um, So do you want to speak about the challenges or the effectiveness of these uh, two elements, the brevity and the complexity and how they work hand in hand?
1: Yes, well, Haiku are, are very brief and, and simple at first glance, especially when compared to longer poetic forms. Yet, because they describe what's happening during a particular haiku moment that also expresses the poet's philosophical mood and encourages reader response, they can be quite complex. And this is evident in Basho's well-known haiku. Which is old pond. A frog leaps in, the water sound. Mm-hmm. So a quiet old pond is energized and brought to life by a a lively young frog, which is the poet and uh, in- intrigues the reader. That's probably yes. the first haiku I ever read, by the way, and I was I was immediately intrigued by it. Yes. Uh, Nice. So um, deceptive, deceptively simple. Like, like, the fro- like the fro- a pond, a frog yes. pond itself. Uh, quiet on the surface, but there may be a lot going on underneath.
0: Yes, wonderful. Um, we spoke about haiku and tenka. Can you speak about the difference in the forms? And also, from there, we'll go on to the different forms that you use in this collection.
1: Yes. Uh, well, uh, so, as you know, or most of you know, uh, haiku is uh, written in 17 syllables or fewer over three lines, and generally there's a nature or season reference. Uh, Tanka are 31 syllable poems written over five lines, so they're 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 considerably longer than a uh, haiku both are Japanese in origin and actually the tanka is much older than the haiku yes. so the, it could be said that the haiku evolved uh, from the tanka although the, today the, the haiku seems to be uh, much better known than tanka and tanka tend to be uh, more lyrical than the uh, than the haiku perhaps because they're they're, they're longer yes. so I do write I do write
0: some of those as well. Okay, and I'm a member of of, um, Tanka Canada and their publication is Gusts and I have the edition from fall winter 2020. So I will read read what you submitted. Um, There were three pieces in this one and there's one that I, I will read and it is, twisting path seems to lead nowhere except deeper into dark woods where no birds sing. Yes.
1: What What did you like about that one,
0: Josephine? Um, it was easy for me to follow the course. I could see the path, and so each line took me deeper and deeper. There was a path. It seemed to go nowhere, except it got deeper, and then it got darker. And usually in the haiku, there's um, a number of senses evoked, so I have my I have the visuals here and then the twist of where no birds sing because I was expecting the sound of birds or the sound of the wind or something so that absence of the singing paired with the deeper and the dark and leading nowhere was really really gripping for me.
1: Yeah that's good that, that's what, that was my intention <laughs> in, in writing it actually. Uh, that's an example of a. Uh, of a tank with a, a dark dark theme, you might yes, say.
0: Yes.
1: Some of my some of my poems are a bit noirish, uh, Dark rather than sunny, you might say. Um, just have an interest in that type of uh, poetry. Um, some, some of them have a science fiction theme as well.
0: Yes. Uh, so those are called um, sci-fi ku.
1: <laughs> Sci- sci-fi, which is a bit of a tongue twister is is yes. uh, with a science fiction uh bent or a uh uh dark dark theme you might say uh, so i write some of those as well and i've had them published in a in a magazine called sci-fi quest another yes. tongue twister uh which publishes that that type of uh poetry exclusively
0: Yes. Would you share the one from the blue sky, which is a sci-fi coup? Oh, certainly. That's the... Uh, yes. Let me, let me locate that one. Okay. Page 24 is the reflection and page 25 is the haiku.
1: All right. So the sci-fi coup is Meteor Shower. Wondering if it came from my home planet. <laughs> So obviously, I didn't write this poem based on direct personal experience, which which yes. is a, which is a hallmark of traditional haiku. Yes. Instead, I imagine how a stranger in a strange land might feel by incorporating the Japanese mood state of sabi, which means loneliness, into mm-hmm. the poem. Yes, uh, there's a there's a there's a science fiction novel called Stranger in a Strange Land, mm-hmm. uh, which. Uh, I've read and and uh, has inspired me to, to write some sci-fi haiku as well. Lovely. Uh, Robert Heinlein, I believe, is the author of Stranger in a Strange
0: Land. Lovely, yeah. You also talk about senryu in here. And so senryu yeah. is a type of haiku. Can you explain yeah. to those um, who, who are not familiar with that what senryu yeah. is?
1: Sen, senryu is... Uh, Although, at the risk of oversimplifying, I'd say it's haiku without, without season words.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, the
1: focus is on human nature rather than mother nature. And they're often uh, humorous because they focus on human activities. And of course, people can be quite humorous in their yes. activities.
0: Yes. I, I, was ex- I was struck by the one on page 21, the, uh, the thrift store if you could share that one with us.
1: Oh yes, yes. Now this one is based on direct personal experience. Drift store, the mannequin wears a mink stole. (laughs) Uh, Here I uh, narrow the focus from store to mannequin to fur piece. I also use word play as the word stole suggests something stolen from an animal, that is yes. its fur. Yes. Also, thrift sounds a bit like theft, an mm-hmm. echo of stolen. Mm-hmm. Uh, when, I, when I saw the, the mannequin wearing the, the, the fur piece, I was, I was quite surprised. It wasn't something I expected to see. I actually laughed when I saw it. So yes. uh, that was my aha haiku moment.
0: Yes, and of, again the juxtaposition because you wouldn't yes. expect there to be fur in a thrift shop. Usually that's a luxury shop. Yes. Oh
1: no, there, there it was.
0: Yes. <laughs> I should ask you if the mannequin was wearing anything else or just the the, <laughs> the stool. Well,
1: I'm sure she was wearing wearing a, a, probably a vintage a vintage dress of some kind. Yes. Yes. Uh, that would be quite striking. Yes. I'm sure. It uh, as a, as a dedicated thrift store shopper, I uh, come upon uh, unexpected things like that. And so I've written yes. a, a few uh, haiku with a thrift store theme.
0: Yes. Um, the next another uh, motif that I noticed is the use of color. The specific oh, yeah. naming of color within your haiku is that something that you do intentionally? I mean, it's in the it's in the. Title: Big Blue Sky, but it's also peppered through with specific color references. Yes, because mm-hmm. yeah, well, uh,
1: colors colors can suggest a season, as in Big yes. Blue Sky, uh, an emotion, a state of mind, etc. So I do I do use uh, color colors in my poetry, uh, I think consciously, and perhaps unconsciously as well, uh, just because uh, it's a concise way of, of indicating uh, a mood or, or background, that sort of thing.
0: Yes. Uh, nice. There is one um, on page 31. Yes. The one. If you would share that one with us. 31. Ah, yes. And
1: you could use color. I use color on this one. Uh, Surrounding the quiet bungalow. Yellow crime scene tape. Again, uh, based on based on a personal experience. Um, In this in this one, yellow uh, takes on a somewhat Sinister meaning. Uh, it me- and it, it also suggests danger in this in this uh, poem. Whereas usually yellow is is a sort of a, a cheerful color. Yes. Not generally associated with the dark side.
0: Um, so it's a, a juxtaposition. Yes. Using using color. Excellent. Um, you mentioned that oftentimes color can be a clue as to season. Why is season so important within haiku? Uh,
1: traditionally, it, uh, the, Japanese, the Japanese style of haiku uh, was uh, were very, the Japanese haikuists were very conscious of seasoned words and they had all, they had all kinds of uh, season words. That they would use uh, in their haiku, uh, like for example, cherry blossoms to represent spring, um, le- leaves to represent either, either summer snow to represent winter, yes. and that sort of thing. Yes. Uh, so season season words uh, imply a a state of again a state of mind mm-hmm. or a mood without without actually stating it.
0: Yes, Um, there were two that had the season words in them. And I felt in both that you really had mastered that whole concept of the complexity um, and richness. Um, Page nine. Yes. Ah, okay. Yes.
1: Here's here's a a haiku that uses a color to suggest uh, a season. And, uh, two colors actually. First mm-hmm. day of spring on evergreen ge- branches, inches of snow. So my reflection is where I live, March is more of a winter month than a spring month. Yet there are signs of spring suggested by the word evergreen, which also contrasts with the whiteness of snow. Wonderful. Colors can be quite symbolic in, hi- in haiku. Mm-hmm.
0: And I found on um, the next haiku as well on the following page, page 11. It took something um, very traditional, the yeah. cherry cherry blossoms for spring, and you gave it a twist as well. A very appropriate yeah. twist. Yes.
1: Yes. Uh, viewing cherry blossoms in, in Japan is uh, uh, very traditional uh, and here as well, in, on the, uh, especially in places like uh, uh, Vancouver. So here is one that I wrote last year. Pandemic, viewing cherry blossoms from afar. And the reflection is, despite the spread of a contagious virus, people continue to enjoy the beauty of tree blossoms, though not as before. Here a cheerful spring color represents hope for the future.
0: Excellent. Thank you. Um, The importance of time as a notion within haiku, and I realize there's a duality with time, Um, there's trying to capture a certain timelessness, and also the exactitude of a moment. Do you want to speak about how that informs your writing as well?
1: Yes, well, haiku, haiku certainly focus on moments in time, which is why they're usually written in the present tense, yes. rarely in the past tense. Mm-hmm. Time time seems to be suspended, yet the poet is very aware of the passage of time, yes. which creates tension in the poem. This, this one of mine focuses on something very commonplace, which while also suggesting the philosophical mood I mentioned earlier, um, a month behind, nursing home calendar droops on the wall. Again, uh, an observation that I made. Yes. Uh, um, So, uh, time seems to be literally suspended here and viewing the the calendar on the wall, that's a bit, a bit sagging.
0: Yes wonderful thank you um we spoke of emotions and typically what i find in haiku is it's more evocative so the the emotion won't be named but it will be described can you speak about that
1: well emotions in haiku are suggested rather than stated uh, as in the haiku i just read Mm -hmm. Uh, and um as well, here's another one that's suggestive of, suggests a, a mood and uh, emotions. Uh, autumn leaves catching in my throat the word goodbye. Uh, autumn is traditionally associated with loss and, and perhaps sadness, which is what inspired me to write the poem so there's definitely a place for for emotions in haiku despite their brevity but they're usually uh, uh, very subtle rather than rather than stated
0: yes i found the same in the one on page 37 the thanksgiving haiku
1: oh yes that one
0: um
1: mm -hmm. thanksgiving one year ago Pardon me, (laughs) one year ago, widowed. Uh, So, this bhikkhu illustrates the importance of a strong third line, even if it consists of only one word. Yes. In this case, widowed. Uh, And widowed, of course, suggests uh, uh, loss and sadness.
0: Yes. So, Uh, again, there's quite a juxtaposition because the first line the first word thanksgiving evokes gratitude and evokes family gatherings and evokes tradition and you really do a wonderful job of taking something that we thought we knew and twisting it and letting us see it and feel it in a different way altogether. um yeah yeah, you had spoken that we can go in writing haiku the right you were encouraged to go less than five seven five i think with this one here i'm just going to hold it up you readers can see it yeah when year ago widowed so there's only one word in the first line and only one word in the third line i wanted to ask you about um, the impact of that like a single word as a line as opposed to using the full five syllables or the full seven syllables is that something that happens by accident or do you feel that it's something that intentionally you you use in your writing
1: in my case, it's probably a bit of both. Uh, my my uh, my my high contentedness only three nine nine syllables.
0: Yes.
1: So it's 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 pretty short, and as you pointed out, there's only there's one word in in the first line and and one word in the third line. Uh, so it's. So I, I try to to say as much as I can in as few words as possible. Yes. Hopefully, I'm successful at doing that. Um, I don't I don't I don't use very many adjectives or adverbs. Yes, uh, I keep those to a minimum. I think that's a tradition in haiku as well. I think so. Yes, certainly, certainly has become one for me. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And. Uh, what else? Oh, well, uh, haiku is sometimes called poetry of the noun because it's, uh, it, it uses, a, it tends to use a lot of nouns uh, as opposed to adjectives and adverbs, and not too many verbs either.
0: Yes, wonderful. I remember reading somewhere about haiku that in, in Japanese, at least, the calligraphy, the letters start at the top of the page and come down the page, and yeah. that there's supposed to be a tension between the black ink of the letters and the whiteness, the silence of the page and how important it is to try to achieve that tension. Um, And Mm -hmm. I think you really have created that within your collection.
1: I I think so. Um, Thank you for pointing that out. Yes, yes, definitely tension. Uh, Often it's resolved by the end of the poem. Yes.
0: sometimes not not always but yes and if you don't mind i i know that you are doing a workshop this summer on haiku but for those that are interested in writing can you just give us a quick word about punctuation and capitalization because not everybody's familiar with um the the protocol around that yes yes
1: well Because of their brevity and and lightness, haiku don't don't require much much punctuation or capitalization. Uh, Certainly not to the degree that that you find in uh, traditional Western poetry. And of course, titles are absent because titles would really weigh them down. They're, they're, They're unnecessary wonderful. And this is true in the traditional in the Japanese
0: uh, form as well. Uh, okay. Thank you. Um, you evoked some concepts in your haiku. So when I received the the collection, I read it twice. The first oh, okay. time, I I think I read the foreword and the introduction and then I read okay. each haiku straight through and okay. I I literally ignored the reflection on the opposite page because I wanted the haiku to speak to me and the second sure. time you read it, I read it with your reflections um, and I learned quite a lot from you about Yugen, Sabi, Wabi, um, can you talk about these things?
1: Yes, yeah. so uh, Yugen, you and I hope I'm pronouncing these words correctly, uh, Uh, as a a non-Japanese-speaking person, you can suggest mystery about the nursing home calendar. Mm -hmm. Uh, Why why is it a month behind and why is it drooping on the wall? Uh, The reader reader must figure it out for herself or himself. So uh, I like to think that uh, the the reader actually completes the poem. Yes. Um, Sabi suggests loneliness, uh, as in some that I've already I've already read, mm-hmm. and Wabi suggests uh, frugality, and that comes into play in in some of my uh, poems as well, especially one about uh, uh, Corral, which I'll, I'll read for you now, yes, to, just to illustrate Sabi sab- and Wabi. Uh, the old corral corral's a snowdrift. Uh, so hopefully that creates a word picture of a of a of a lonely a lonely scene, um, a, an abandoned corral. It uh, ha- has no function anymore except to uh, enclose the snow snowdrift. Yes, uh, and it's very again very short. It's um, uh, far fewer than 15 syllables, one. Nine,
0: nine syllables again, so. Yes, thank you. Um, People who are traditional poets or who who read traditional poetry might be wondering, well, what happened to things such, as my cat's visiting, what happened (laughs) to things such as um, (laughs) (laughs) yeah. <laughs> <laughs> such as rhythm, what happened to things such as rhyme, alliteration. Oh. Can those things be integrated in, into haiku? I, I found some examples of alliteration in yours, but do you want to speak a little bit about that? And then we can share the, yeah. the two that? Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, there, there, is,
1: there are some literary devices in, in haiku, uh, such, as, such as alliteration and internal rhyme um it's not it's certainly not unheard of uh i I don't use a rhyme scheme Mm -hmm. myself Mm -hmm. um here's um here's one that uses uh alliteration and uh internal rhyme which i didn't realize when i wrote it it didn't occur to me until later when i was rereading it Yes. Uh, Loon Lake, awake for hours, counting stars. Uh, so as I say in the reflection, uh, the alliteration and the internal rhyme hopefully add a poetic touch but not, not too much, yes. just a very light touch. Yes. So I Repetition of L and Lake and Awake, which I I didn't realize rhymed until, until later. So that was unconscious on my part.
0: And if you could read the one on page 15 as well, Downpour, I found examples there of um, alliteration as well. Oh, okay.
1: Sure. Oh, yes uh downpour the dirt road deepens so yes repetition of of d
0: yes
1: and also at the end of road i just realized that yes (laughs) again a very a very short one uh there's no there's no punctuation whatsoever Mm -hmm. adjectives or adverbs it's 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 pretty stark actually uh and as I say in the reflection, what makes it memorable, I hope, is the image itself with a hint of danger, and the alliteration in all three
0: lines. Nice, nice. You had mentioned the aha moments, or um, the twist, oh. the twist ending. Can you talk a little bit about that within haiku? That element of surprise or unexpected.
1: Yes. yes. Well, for example, in the thrift store haiku.
0: Hmm.
1: Uh, the sight of a mannequin wearing a mink stole is unexpected and surprising. Yes. At least it was for me. I and I, as I said, I actually laughed, which which was my aha moment. Uh, and I think I think a, a surprise at the end is almost like the punchline of a joke. So yes. it adds it adds uh, interest and emotion uh, to the haiku. Uh, because the, the, reader, the reader is surprised. Yes. and hopefully pleased mm-hmm. as well.
0: Nice. Uh, I found this, Yes. I found the same with the, um, the graveside, page 45 with that one, if you'd read that one. Sure. Uh, frozen
1: ground. The graveside service delayed to spring. Um, I incorporated uh, two seasons, uh, winter and spring here. Yes. And as I said in the reflection, although spring is a season of renewal, it may also involve remembrance and reflection. Um, so clearly we don't live in a black and white world where winter winter always means sadness and springtime always means happiness. Yes. Sometimes the opposite can be the case
0: yes excellent um you mentioned that you don't use a lot of adjectives or adverbs but i do i did feel that there was a lot of metaphor embedded a lot of things where something would represent something bigger Um, how important is that for you and when you create haiku
1: well i i i believe it it is important and in the in the in the haiku that i read, I, I notice it, other, po- other haiku poets use it, and I admire their use, use of, of, subtle use of metaphor, so I try to incorporate it into some of my poems. Yes. Um, for example, in the Thanksgiving one, uh, as you pointed out, Josephine, there's a comparison between a, a holiday celebration with a time of loss and sadness. Uh, both suggest different philosophical moods, Yes. And, and could be interpreted as, as slightly metaphorical. Yes. Uh, so I do, I do make use of, of some literary devices as do other haiku poets. It, again, it, it's not unheard of. Yes. Uh, English haiku or or Japanese haiku. It, it adds, it, add, I think it adds um, depth and interest to the poem. Mm-hmm. To use uh, yes. a few liter, a few literary reference, a few literary devices sparingly.
0: Yes, I found it powerful in the census taker one on page twenty three. Yes. Oh yes. Uh,
1: this one is a bit of a bit of a dark, dark, dark uh, haiku as well. Yes, and perhaps. It's more of a sinru than a haiku because there's no there's no actual season word, although it might be suggested in the first line. I'll read it for you. Overcast sky, the census taker asks if I live alone. Mm -hmm. Um, So here I associate two things, a cloud eye and a conversation. It seems it seems innocuous until the third line, at which point a, biz, a bit of uneasiness sets in, and the clouds take on a different meaning. Um, so there's a bit of a twist in the in the uh, in the third line. The um, census taker is asking uh, if the person lives alone. Maybe legitimately, maybe not. Yes. Yes. Uh, this this one appeared on on the uh, uh, tiny words uh, uh, website, and uh, one of one of the com a few of the comments on it were quite interesting because they interpreted it in a in a in a uh, a, in a dark dark way as well. They thought that the census taker was asking a very strange question. Yes.
0: So
1: I guess <laughs> I, I guess I achieved what I what I was setting out to do. Yes. Um, Add a bit in- of mystery. Uh,
0: yes in reading your um reflections i came upon an expression i would never heard before but i really really it it keeps my interest as is above so is below it sounds like philosophy um do you want to speak about that
1: the the haiku technique yes it's 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 very interesting uh so sometimes in a haiku the first and third lines make sense without the second line, yes. which which does link the two lines together. Uh, an example would be the autumn leaves one. Um, yes. Autumn leaves, catching in my throat, the word goodbye. So autumn leaves and the word goodbye make sense together. Yes, thank you, Josephine. Uh, the, the second line, catching in my throat, links the two of them together, um, uh, which adds interest to to the haiku, hopefully. Yes. Excellent. So sometimes we, mm-hmm. the first the first and third lines will occur to 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 me, and then I uh, first, and and I will uh, I'll work on the middle line to link mm-hmm. them together.
0: Yes, there was one in which you spoke about this the um, Japanese garden, the Zen garden.
1: Yes. Oh yes. Uh, that is on page, page 19. Nineteen. Yes. Well, uh, there is a beautiful Japanese garden in Lethbridge called Nikayuko, yes. um, that I visited a number of times and find quite inspirational. So this is a haiku that I wrote uh, as a result of visiting the Nikayuko Japanese garden. Japanese garden, not one flower to spoil the view. That that might puzzle some people who aren't familiar with Japanese gardens. Uh, Traditionally, Japanese gardens don't don't have flowers uh, because the focus is on stone, water, and plants for quiet contemplation. So flowers, despite their beauty, are 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 a distraction. Uh, it's a, a different uh, different concept. Yes. Of gardening, yes. Uh, it, it's a, uh, it's a beautiful to uh, visit and uh, contemplate while mm-hmm. there,
0: mm-hmm. without
1: being distracted by flowers.
0: <laughs> yes. Well, I found that I learned so much. Not just about haiku, but also about Japanese culture. In reading your collection, um, the influence, Good, of, yeah, great. that's okay. The influence of place, whether it's an exotic place or a local place, how important does that play into? You mentioned some, um, that sometimes mm-hmm. the first line or the third line will come to you when you're in a moment. Yes,
1: yes. Um, I think most most haiku do in, include a sense of place. Uh, the one that I just read certainly does. Uh, yes. I'm inspired by places that I visited as a as a tourist, uh, as well as my own my own backyard or uh, just walking around my neighborhood. Yeah. Um, I, think, I believe haiku moments are everywhere. And the important thing is is to take notice of them. Yes. Wherever you, wherever you find them, whether it's in your own hometown or in a very far-flung place that you may have traveled. Yeah. Uh, inspirations <laughs> everywhere.
0: Mm-hmm. I think that's
1: true of all poetry, of all writing.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. And I think the, the good thing about haiku is that you could have a simple journal with you or you could use the voice yeah. record function on your phone to capture what yeah. it is that you're experiencing. We have about four minutes left. I was just going to show quickly all of the collections where I found some of your haiku. I'll come back to this one in a second. But we're looking at Gusts, we're looking at Haiku Canada anthologies, we're looking at um, A Far Galaxy, which was another Haiku Canada anthology. And this is a, a collection that came out, a pebble in my shoe when you were still part of the Magpie Poets. Yes,
1: yes. Uh, That's an interesting collection. Mm-hmm.
0: Yes, and I'll just share one from here. Okay. In, in the leaf pile, a bright blue feather catches the lights. Yeah. So again, that yeah. sense of surprise and unexpected. Um,
1: so. Yeah, Yeah. I just happened to see it as I was going for a walk. And yes. it caught me by surprise.
0: Yes. I think what really, um, after I read it the second time through, what I felt about your collection is your collection is like haiku. It's brief, but it's very, very dense and rich and evocative. And I think it's just a wonderful little collection. Um, You're going to be presenting this summer at When Words Collide, do you want to speak about that?
1: Yes, uh, that's an annual uh, literary conference held in Calgary in August. This year it will be online, so I'm presenting three workshops: uh, one about haiku, and about and one about the importance of uh, laughter and humor in uh, as a means to creativity. Uh, I I call that one uh keep laughing so hopefully those will be interesting and attract some people uh, yes. it's i believe i don't believe registration is full yet so it's just a matter of googling when words collide to register for those and it's free this year because yes. it's all online so yes. hopefully more people will sign up
0: wonderful and
1: uh, yes. i'll see you there perhaps yes. i think you'll be there as well Jo-Jane.
0: yes i'll be presenting as well yes and I would love to come to your workshops. And in terms of your own personal writing, you've got some projects on the go?
1: Yes, I'm, because of my interest in, in humor, I'm uh, working on uh, uh, writing uh, some humorous, humorous haiku, or senru, and perhaps uh, including them in a collection or maybe even an anthology of, of humorous, humorous haiku. Uh, I think we all need humor and laughter in our lives, especially now. Yes. In the, age, in the age of a pandemic, we need to laugh as much as possible. Laughter is the best medicine. I think that's that's true, as true today as it was years ago. Yes. Uh,
0: and as we wrap up, if any of the listeners are interested in getting a copy or co- copies to gifts to other people, where can they get a copy, and how can they contact you, Joanne?
1: Oh, I would invite people to just contact me at my email address, which is uh, markhamj at talus.net, or my website, which is joannemarkham.ca, uh, and I'd be, I'd be pleased to... Uh, to provide you with a copy of that one and my other my other books
0: wonderful and thank as you well,
1: so much. Uh, i'll see perhaps see you uh, at when words collide or
0: yes yes thank you very much for this and thank you to the writers guild of alberta for their online yeah. series thank you okay have a good evening thank you you
1: You're too thanks take care okay